special epizódu Thursday Eye. My name is Alex Polkov. I am the host of Thursday Eye and the founder of Targum.video. I'm very excited to bring you this special interview with Killian Lucas, the author of the very popular open source project called Open Interpreter. Killian came on the live podcast recording in the middle of the first week of Open Interpreter being open sourced by him. In fact, as I'm recording this, Open Interpreter is not even a week old. However, it already has exploded in popularity and unlocked the imagination of tens of thousands of people, including boasting an incredible 23,000 GitHub stars at the time of this recording. Open Interpreter is a way to have AI run and execute code on your local machine using either GPT-4 or a local model like Llama or Code Llama. And as you will hear, Killian has incredible plans for it already many of which came from the community and the users. Given that Thursday Eye has become a great place for the leaders of open source LLM to discuss things like fine-tuning, data sets, better and better open models, the conversation of course turned into a productive collaboration between folks on stage and Killian. I'm sure you'd like this interview. Unlike some of our regular chats, this one does not require any specific knowledge about data science or large language models. In fact, Killian shared that he dropped out of college to pursue AI just a couple of years ago and is using ChatGPT and Replit to build Open Interpret. And here we are, folks, a great AI engineer creating an incredible product that is very much needed as evident by the popularity. Just before we get started, I want to ask you, if you like these interviews, please consider subscribing. It really does help me to continue doing these interviews and tune in every week, as I want to invest more and more into Thursday Eye and actually make this a big part of my career. Thursday Eye started as just a few folks on Twitter Spaces chatting about AI. And I did not imagine in my wildest dream that I'd have sponsorship opportunities, premium subscribers, world-class guests and co-hosts that tune in from week to week, I would like to invite you to join us and become a part of the Thursday AI community. Whether you're coming to our Live Spaces recordings, reading the newsletter, listening to the pod in your car on your way to work, or just following along on social media and leaving comments. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for tuning in every week. And now I give you Killian Lucas, author of Open Interpreter. And I want to welcome Killian to the stage. Killian, feel free to introduce yourself first. And then we're going to talk about uh, Open Interpreter a little bit. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Thank you. Yeah, so my name is Killian, and I've, I've been working on an open source project called Open Interpreter, um, which is a interface between language models and computers. So it's it's trying to build something that lets you kind of combine these two worlds of, of flexible computing with language models and the rigidity and determinism of computers. I'm like, I'm by the way, not deep enough as an engineer for this room. I'm so honored to be here. This is such incredible stuff to get to hear. I'm very far on like the application layer where people are interacting right. with it. But yeah, my main project right now is Open Interpreter. Killian, first of all, welcome to join every Thursday. And those discussions will continue to happen. So uh, feel free to 
to keep coming here. We covered Open Interpreter before. I want to like scroll back even further. OpenAI gave us Code Interpreter. Code Interpreter, we've talked about at length multiple times. Aniston and I and some other folks here are actually in a group that tries to take this to like the extreme. And basically, we noticed back then the Code Interpreter uses GPT-4, and we think it uses GPT-4 like a fine-tuned version that is able to correct its own mistakes. We also know that many agents do the same kind of thing, right? Many agents generate a, a task for themselves and then they run in loop to be able to execute on this task. And we know that GPT-4 is the best of them. And so then GPT, kind of ChatGPT gave us Code Interpreter, a way to upload files and run inference on them and actually execute this code. And then how early when you saw this, did you start thinking about doing this openly on your own Mac? And what led you to kind of start working on this? Oh, yeah, well, well, it was a few things. It was earlier than that. And I think a lot of people had been playing with this. So Sharif Shamim in 2020 was doing stuff with GPT-3 and, and having it run code. And it was just like, holy shit, this thing can run code. And that was when it kind of started. I then went on and I made a sort of called Water, which was where you could kind of design your own AI agents and you could connect it to tools. And there was one type of AI agent that people were building on it that was unreasonably powerful and it had access to one tool and that was an interpreter. So it just blew everything else that people were building on the platform out of the water, just in terms of it, it being able to integrate with anything and be able to do complicated logic. And it, it just was so clear to me that, that kind of the API into actions was just going to be code and that this kind of idea of making toolkits and stuff and, and doing all these things was kind of reinventing the wheel of the fact that code is our species like best attempt at making a tool out of language and making something that turns languages into actions. But it really like, honestly, it was me pasting something into ChatGPT and then getting it to write some code and then me going off and running it and it would like produce an error. And I'd be like, okay, and then I'd copy that and then put it into ChatGPT. I was like, there's got to be a way to just come on. So this was really just like the product version of it kind of came from that. And then obviously Code Interpreter which is just so simple and is a dream and I'm an incredible product. So yeah, it, it came from all those things and thinking how much more can we do and how close to the, to people's machines can we bring this idea of code interpretation? Awesome. And so obviously code interpreter, which is now called advanced data analytics. Yeah, advanced data analysis, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to change open data analytics or not. No, it sucks. Yeah. It's terrible for me. It's terrible timing. It was like the day. Uh, but but funnily enough, so many, many folks for them, kind of, this was the use case, right? So the, it allowed the first, I think, OpenAI ChatGPT interface to allow to upload actually files and perform things on those files. However, for folks who like follow OpenAI for a while, may remember when they released Codex, they actually had like a playground that runs text, uh, sorry, runs code. So you were literally able to ask Codex to kind of generate a website. They will show you some JavaScript code that it run and show you the website. And um, I think this has been on their kind of docket for a while. And one of the things they did that people don't talk often about is they do the whole environment thing. They, you don't have to do like environments, Python, you don't have to do anything. You pay the 20 bucks, you go into ChatGPT interface, you write and execute code and safe environment. Safe being the operative word here. Open Interpreter, the great thing that you've open sourced and now is being exploded on popularity, which we'll talk about next, runs on my machine. 
Uh, how are you thinking about that safety, that security? Because like when I showed this in our AI Tinkers meetup in Denver, the first person said, ah, RM dash, like dash RF, and it will delete my whole computer. So how are you thinking about, uh, a, a, you know, execution environment, safety, et cetera? Yes. Yeah, so this can be approached a lot of different ways thinking about that problem. Because first of all, what's at the top of the repo is let LLMs run code on your computer. And that was intentionally meant to be a bit controversial that I think a lot of the, the smartest people I know hate that. And they look at that and they're like, this is the end of like, come on. It is not, first of all, I, I would encourage anybody to try it with GPT-4 and say, delete all my files. It won't. But this is very interesting is that this is kind of an alignment thing. Now it will say, I, I have to refuse that request. It, it enters into that domain. We, for a while, had forbidden commands, yeah. too, that was that would prevent it from right. running RM or doing things like that. But some people do want to use it to, to really freely delete directories and stuff. And I would say, too, there's solutions to think about in terms of post-processing of the code it writes. So there's the idea of running, I think it's called SEMGREP, and doing kind of guard dog is this thing that, that investigates NPM packages and PIT packages that it tries to install for any malicious code. So the idea of it generating code and then scanning it. That's one way to think about how to solve that problem. I think the best way to solve that problem is just the fact that by default, this thing runs with confirmation. So you do need to actually give it permission. So if you ask it to go and do something, it, it will write the code and then it'll sit there in a, in a beautiful syntax highlighted code block and you can just hit yes to approve it and to run it. So just run it in that mode and then it, this is not going to be um, having that same thing. There's also the idea too that even if kind of the, the fun thing about Open Interpreter that's really exciting and I think people are really liking is the fact that it can run locally. It's actually great in a cloud environment. So I, I'm from a generation of, I don't know, maybe this is from a generation of programmers that are like this. I started programming in 2020 and I found uh, Google Colab and I have not left. So I've never run any code on my computer except when, you know, when I bring Open Interpreter onto it and I ask it to do stuff. I have been entirely a, a cloud programmer. So I built Open Interpreter on Replit. My style of programming has been just like break shit and just like go and, and destroy the machine. And I just like bang up against the edges, which is as funny as that open interpreter sometimes kind of works that way that it's trying to kind of find the edges of reality by running code and seeing, getting some feedback about how the world that's in works and then bounce off those edges. And then it can go a little further than if it was just set off in an open you know, environment. So I actually, it, it's a lot of fun. And if you're worried about security, I really recommend running it in Replit running it in Google Colab. So actually you just have this added layer of you could mount your Google Drive or, or still use all this flexibility of a development environment that you control as opposed to OpenAI, but you can still um, not be concerned that it's going to delete your operating system. But it really is not want to do that. Um, and by giving the option to approve code before it's run, I think we'd get around a lot of that. Awesome. That's good to hear. So one of the I won't say drawbacks, but definitely one of the differences between running like a code interpreter that's, that sits within ChatGPT, besides the price, besides everything, is the safety, right? Over there is like a sandbox environment, and you're suggesting like folks can run this on Replit, can run this on, inside the Google Colab. The benefits, though, of running this on local machine are vast. Let's talk about some of the benefits. I want to specifically say the, this next thing that Nista and I ran into, code interpreter does not have access to the internet. This restricts the amount of tasks that you can do with it, right? This restricts the amount of tasks that like it can do for you. Sometimes it tries and fails. For example, a geolocation geo and some other stuff. Running this locally, 
you have the full internet access. Scary, but very exciting. Could you talk about this in terms of like how people use this and what it actually does, like installing different packages? You said NPM packages. Could you dive into that benefit? Yeah, for sure. And this is something to play with as to the trajectory of what they're going to do. Because, you know, we can all imagine they probably are going to open up Code Interpreter to the internet at some point. But I don't know if they're going to open it up to really everything. Because, like, a lot of folks want to get structured data from the internet. Web scraping, honestly. And, and those kinds of use cases, this is not a lot of people using Open Interpreter that want it, but it's just completely impossible with Code Interpreter, obviously. A really fun, probably the most magic thing you can do with Code Interpreter is ask it to open Chrome and do something. Because it'll use Selenium. It's on, a, it's on a local machine and it will, it's this magic experience of it actually opening Chrome and clicking buttons and, and navigating around and you can see it's filling out tech. That's incredible. So just for folks in the audience, Selenium is a thing that does what? Selenium is a, basically a wrapper around uh, Chrome. It's something that can communicate with Chrome on, on your local machine. So just by it running code, like that, that lets it open the browser and then get what's on the page and then switch tabs and do all this stuff. So, so all of the magic of ChatGPT and how you talk to it and how easy it is, that all gets to be pushed into a Chrome, I forget what it's called, the Chrome engine that opens up. So it's just incredible to watch. And by the way, there's great, there's really cool new browser stuff because I think that's such an interesting use case and it, it opens up a lot of things that aren't APIs. So you can use tools that don't have an API, they just have a web you know, thing on the front and it can retain all your authentication because you're logged into stuff. That, that's just a really interesting future for this. So there's great browser stuff that's coming into Open Interpreter really soon. Wow. Wow. Okay. So many questions here. But first of all, the first basic question is how does it see what's happening in my browser? Yeah. So I guess there's no concern about me talking about this. This isn't in it yet. This is the stuff that I was talking about for the future. So right now, what we've experimented with is I don't know if you remember Natbot from a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. Just the idea of kind of how do you distill um, the HTML that's on the page into something that is all the way reduced to its interactive elements um, and what the language model actually needs to know. So maybe it just shows headings. So exploring that, we're going to be releasing a package soon called Open Browser. And what this is, it's kind of like a, a wrapper around Selenium, which is built for language models to use. So this is to me is the, the first of what I think is going to be a wave of programming tools that are built for language model programmers. So just a totally different way of thinking about the kind of things that you need as a programmer that's like trapped in a box, like how a language model is. It, it's not trying to write perfect code every time. It's trying to work on this workflow where it runs code and finds, finds the errors. It needs to be verbose by default because it needs to know what's happening. Just there's all these little quirks of how you should write packages for language models to use. They're the main customer. Metaphors is an example of, of a company that's thinking about this kind of stuff a lot. But open browser is going to be that for controlling a Selenium browser locally. And you'll be able to use it for free in, in open interpreter. And it's, yeah, all this, it's going to be just all those things applied Selenium as a wrapper around it. So it's much easier for it to use. The idea of how it sees, I take Sam Altman very literally on this. He's talked about the fact that Language models like GPT-4, they're going to be able to see soon. I really think that they'll open up that API. Yeah, we've, we've covered this multiple times in the past. We're waiting for Vision to release while we're tracking all the open source, like Gwen, VL, and like different things. Even today, we, we've talked about a, a PDF model from Meta that can like see images, basically. But yeah, please go ahead. 
yeah, yeah i was gonna say real quick killian if you've heard of the open source multimodal models that could actually see there's lava that's called like lava and quenvl quenvl was taken down from the internet we'll find it through our friends we'll find the weights but yeah this is in terms of like how these models can see right oh yeah so just to to play with that for a second so there's obviously the idea of a multimodal model um that's ideal and if there's stuff out there, we really want to make it so an open interpreter is kind of like a distributor of local language models that people, tons of people are trying to install these things locally because they get all this benefit of the code interpretation stuff. So to include some multimodal models would be a lot of fun and, and finding the right way to do that. But what we've played with with open browser is the idea that you can actually just pass the visual of a website to something like unstructured.io and get uh, much better stuff than you can get with HTML. So just scraping the HTML and trying to find the interactive elements is not, because we see websites. The whole point is that you are actually seeing them. So you can't really get the right, you can't look at them from the back and, and try to just get it from the HTML. So this is all coming out really soon, but the idea of maybe using to this open source OCR from Meta seems like it might be an even better way than unstructured, I don't know, being able to pull out visual information and then just pass it as language to the model so it can really effectively use a browser. But yeah, so, so that's all fun, open browser. But it's also when it has internet access and can download large files, whatever your environment has the size for, all kinds of interesting use cases come out of that. So, so here's, I want to just quickly interject and say Nougat from Meta was, is this the model that like sees and understands PDFs? And uh, yeah, the next point I wanted to ask you about is, can this AI run other AIs by downloading a huge file from the internet from a random <laughs> page? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, wait. Well, so yeah. So first of all, open interpreter, the, the dream is really that, that you would just be able to, and we're working on get it to work across a lot of different systems. It's a hard problem and I'm, I'm not smart enough to solve it because I'm not at this deep level. So I'd, I'd love actually to connect to people who, who think about this a lot and that they're all here. But yeah, so, so actually running a interpreter dash local where you could just kind of pick a, a hug and face model and, and just do like that. I talked to Andrea at, at um, GPT for all and got to hear about Vulcan before two days ago. And I'm that might be the way, but so that's one version of that obviously is getting to run any of these models that we're talking about and seeing how they handle code interpretation. But the idea of it itself downloading a model and, and running it and, and doing things is a lot of fun. So today um, we released our support. So we're trying to, to yeah, any programming language this thing can run. We're basically, it's a really simple idea of code interpretation. I'm sure you all kind of intuit it that you're just giving a uh, language model access to one function. And that's execute. So it just executes code and you, you just let it tell you what language it is and what code to run. And then we just handle the real time output of that really well and just make that work so that state is saved between all this, these different programming languages when it's running the different blocks. So our support came this morning. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to talk to this thing about training like linear regression models and like so so i'm going to put out a demo pretty soon to show the r support which is where we're, we're playing with it actually training a model on a data set that's just on my desktop so i can just be like hey i have these two folders on my desktop can you use r and train an auto regression model or whatever so so there, there's also stuff that people have been playing with can interpreter run interpreter <laughs> so we're playing with interpreter dash async which would actually let it you could kind of ask open interpreter to do something and then it would spin up other instances of open interpreter to go off and to do this. Um, because right now it, it runs all in, in one thread in a synchronous way of, of doing it. 
And Love a lot it. of people too have played with opening multiple terminal windows. You can do that just as well and, and talk to all of them at once and they'll all just and be, be talking and, and dealing with different tasks. So if you want to have different instances of it running, it's really easy to do now. Um, but anyway, yeah, language models, running language models or, or other stuff. I don't know if that answers your question. That beautifully takes us to the next point. Uh, so running this async and the concept of like sub agents has been brought up in multiple agent conversations, right? Like agent, maybe an orchestrator agent that's like good at like tasks and then specific per agent. So you're saying there's a way to generalize all this with code, just like one, one task. You have one tool in your box. This is the interpreter. You write the code and you run it. And so the interesting thing that I wanted to talk to you about that I noticed, obviously that's not possible in the open head code interpreter is when I run it on the Mac, it uses Apple script. It knows that I'm running on the Mac. It uses Apple script and Apple script is this amazing thing for folks in the audience who don't know that native, I think only native, but please correct me if I'm wrong, native Mac OS applications, uh, there is a way to run them automatically that actually like clicks all the buttons and does all the features like open and click, et cetera. And so this is the way that you, I think, showed in your incredibly well-produced video that you launched with, that you send an email to the, to, to yourself, right? Through the Apple script, it opens mail and then creates a new thing. Could you talk about like Apple script specifically how well, this runs on my machine, but also like what's the alternatives for Linux and uh, Windows? Does it work the same? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot believe how lucky we are and how clear it is too, that something like this is going to exist in Siri because they have just total ecosystem, grand central stage. You can control so much about your Mac, even on iPhone, by the way, I, I want to mention this because there's some folks in the open interpreter discord talking about making an iPhone app. There is apparently a way to communicate between the different applications on your phone such that if you had something like this, you could ask it to open the trunk of your Tesla. It has such incredible communication between apps. Apple has just so nailed that. And yeah, no, I, and it's interesting. I, I didn't actually know that it could do that. I sent it to a friend a few days before releasing it. And he was like, yeah, I asked it to summarize my last three emails and then say the summary out loud. I was like, no, I don't think you did. <laughs> like, that's, that doesn't sound right. How would it do that? And he's like, well, I'm on a Mac and it just used shell because it didn't have Apple script at the time. It just had shell to run some Apple script to get the last three emails. And then it used say, which is just a native Apple script thing to say it out loud. And so then I was like, holy shit. So I, that's when using uh, Apple script is now supported as a language it can run. I think that you probably will also Notice that the trailer is quite a lot based on the Windows Copilot trailer <laughs> that that came out. They also had the same beats of like, it works for your apps, it works for your documents. I was like, it's not broken. I'm not going to fix it. So I just did the same thing. Windows is going to have this with Windows Copilot. I see Open Interpreter as kind of the Linux of this type of system. That's really what we want to be, is to be something open source and cross-platform. I think it's going to be the only way to do it probably on Linux for a little while. And then for the kind of privacy-minded Windows and Apple folks who want everything running locally can use Open Interpreter for this kind of, you know, co-pilot for your whole computer interface. It is amazing. I agree. And it's unfortunate that it doesn't work as well for like wraps applications, like like node wraps and electron applications. Hopefully the folks will find a way. Killian, this takes me to the next question real quick, because like you are the creator of this thing, right? You model this based on some other things, let's say, but you're now like the creator and then still you sent it to somebody. And he exploded your mind. And there's this concept that I talk about in AI for a long time, which is like imagination unlock. 
many of the things that we get in these new tools, we don't know what to do with them until like an, a, a collective imagination unlocks and suddenly we're like, oh shit, we have this power now? Oh crap, we now can do this. Your whatever success that you had, which feel free please to talk about this number of stars, GitHub, everything. One of the benefits, for example, of something like AutoGPT, they also rose to the ranks and, and got like very famous very fast, is not the execution of it. AutoGPT is not the best, I think, agent. It's just the amount of the community and the support and then the, the folks show each other. The same with mid-journey, right? You're in the Discord, you see some other prompts, and suddenly you're like, oh, shit, I can do this and this. How are you thinking about imagination unlocking now that, like, everything can run every code on everything? Like, in terms of, like, bootstrapping the community that now is existing around Open Interpreter and these new skills that we don't know how to use them essentially, like, right, like, all new. How are you thinking about, like, this, this area of imagination unlock for the tool use, basically, for humans? Yeah, the imagination unlock of this. So the thing, to me, the thing here is this community that sprang up around it. When you have a general purpose tool, a lot of people before me told, told me to narrow down and to find a vertical. I'm like, I think that's not, it's not time for that right now. This is like a once in a lifetime. Who knows if this will happen again, that we have this general purpose technology, like at the beginning of computing to do something general and to do something was totally different. So trying to then figure out how to use it, you get blank cursor problem. I've heard that a lot from people that they use it. They're like, this is amazing. Like I saw the trailer and I downloaded it. And then I'm like, can you make a text file on my desktop? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to use this thing for. When it's that open, it's, it's really the community that, that comes up with all these incredible workflows. So there's this one guy in, in Japan who made it actually cut a clip from YouTube. So you paste in a YouTube link and ask it to cut a clip from a certain segment. It uses YTDLP and, and downloads it, subtitle it, hard code it, please translate it to Japanese, please. Like it, it's going to be those kind of things where I think people from all these different industries are figuring out what workflows this thing is good for. And I've talked to product managers and they say, I want to use it for this and this. Is it good at that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a product manager. I'm, I was going to school to be a middle school science teacher before this. I have no idea what kind of cool stuff in across all these different domains there is. We're going to look to really organize that soon because I think what would be great is something like open interpreter slash industrial design or something, openinterpreter.com slash, and that, that we would actually organize all of the workflows for all these different industries and, and verticals, because to me, it's like. It's such a general purpose tool. There definitely needs to be something in the desktop version, um, which is not going to run in your terminal. It's just going to be an app that you download from like the Mac app store or something that is very much like, like how ChatGPT has that stuff that uh, suggests what you're going to do next. So, you know, maybe one of those is going to be cut a clip from YouTube, make a music video. There, there's really cool stuff using Replicate on the collab right now, which is like turning every single frame of a YouTube video into a image to image version of it and it just makes this this incredible thing and the idea of opening all that up to artists and to people who can't code is really the exciting thing about this to me but in my understanding from an art perspective because that's also the world i came in. i dropped out of high school to to make dubstep so <laughs> i was like th those two use cases of, of like music and art and a little bit of teaching i understand but no that the imagination unlock from everybody sharing their i guess you call them workflows it's that's the value of this thing. It, it really is a simple tool. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. 
I also, I actually want to say this, and I think people might find this kind of interesting because it goes back to this idea of like an orchestrator agent to running other agents. I think we've been kidding ourselves that we know how these things should play out. And I think that is the, that's the stuff about AutoGPT and about baby AGI and stuff that just does not uh, jive with me. Like I, I read, I think it was called The Hard Truth. It was a paper a couple of years ago that just totally speak to me, spoke to me. To, it was actually about training machine learning models, which I, I'm not anywhere near that. And it was that you just cannot expect that you have the domain expertise for this that is going to be better than what it can learn. If you just give it enough data, give it enough compute, it is going to learn the structures of these things. And anytime we try to in inject and be like, no, come on, it's like chauvinist, like if, to humans that we would know this kind of stuff. It's not. It's going to be better if, if you just let it do it on its own. So open interpreter is really an experiment in getting as close to the metal as possible in just using the raw intelligence of these things to get tasks done. So it's something that has no planning mechanism. It just runs right in a single thread. And I really think that's the future of this stuff. And I think it's it's banking on context windows getting bigger. Obviously, we'll have some. I just think that these things, if you get in the way of it by trying to build in some planning mechanism, that's like, well, then have it write a dependencies file and do all this stuff. I think you're getting in the way. And even the kind of orchestration stuff, I'm not convinced that it calling other agents and, and doing some orchestration is any different from this. I kind of think that the way that this thing is going to run is single thread as close to the metal of its intelligence as possible. Awesome. This takes me to, so, so first of all, reflect on, on what you just said in terms of like the community providing different workflows or ideas, right? The first thing that we started doing after the code interpreter space that we had, as, as it came out, we were like, whoa, this is so amazing. I started collecting like with a hashtag code interpreter can just different things that I saw on Twitter just because there wasn't any play. So first of all, feel free to check out this hashtag. There, there's quite a lot. Nistan and I were like, we're in a group that folks that try to like break the limits, but also like approaches. Then OpenAI kind of rebranded it to advanced data analytics because like very advanced data analytics, because very quickly this turned out to be like, hey, upload a few CSV files and it could do a bunch of stuff for you, graph them, et cetera. Uh, it feels to me that this is so much bigger than just data analytics. Like if it runs on my computer, if it sees once you interpret like vision uh, in there, it's way bigger than just data analytics. And folks will just need to know what to do with this. And I think one big thing that uh, the community here can bring is those exact examples as well. And I think like planning ahead in tasks, like what you said, you don't feel that this is the way. Knowing in advance from your position what your tool is going to be used for is also probably maybe chauvinistic towards the collective human intelligence. So opening this up to the open source, I think is very interesting. So connecting the dots to the next thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of open source specifically. So right, right now, the best way I think to run a code interpreter is via GPT-4 API token that you paste or you have. And then maybe in your desktop application, we can talk about later, this will be maybe baked in. In addition, there's a local mode. And here on stage, we have multiple folks from news research, from alignment, like folks who fine tune and know the best coding models. We've talked about a few of them today, Phi 1.5, Starcoder from all of these models get like very high code execution tasks, right? So like they're not general, they can't maybe talk as well as GPT-4. And GPT-4 is still the best version of like code generation, but still these models get like very, how should I say, impressive results in coding. However, they're fully local. How are you thinking in terms of like already the local mode? Could you talk about this? And then also specific models for task ex execution 
because one last thing that I want to add here is we know that GPT-4 and code interpreter, so the, the code interpreter GPT-4 in the UI was probably fine-tuned to also fix its own mistakes and also know whether or not the code executed. You now have opened like a way bigger domain in understanding whether or not the task was successful. And so those two big questions I wanted to ask you, like how do you know if a task was successful and uh, how do you use local models to kind of improve that? Yeah. Yeah, so what's funny is that this was the, the intended experience of Open Interpreter, and you mentioned this, is with GPT-4. I built it with GPT-4 and it was not, it was like a few days before I was going to put it out that I sent it to a friend, the same friend, by the way, Joe Heitzberg. And he was like, you should put Llama in it. I think people would like that. And I was like, oh, I don't really know anything about that because I, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just so, so far away from figuring out how to get these things to work locally. And so I played around with Llama CCP Python and worked on my machine and, and I put it in it. And it has just been, I did not anticipate that would be the thing that people really wanted, but it is because there's this idea of keeping everything totally local that you can have a, the code interpreter experience or what I think, yeah, you're, you're right. It is a more open, it is a much more open-ended and, and interesting thing to talk about as kind of a natural language interface to your computer, something much bigger than advanced data analytics. But the idea of having that running fully locally is really exciting to people. So, so I do, and Alignment Labs, by the way, has been an incredible resource and, and help in this. And, and Austin, if you're here, and Blaze, they've just been fantastic. You mentioned Alignment Labs. We had an interview with Austin from Alignment Labs before. Uh, for folks in the audience, it's an organization of incredible people doing incredible work in open source and friends, dear friends of the pod. And so I want to introduce Austin. Uh, welcome, Austin. No, thank you. That's really nice of you. No, I just wanted to just, it's like, I think a lot of people, the big appeal is for having like a local model doing it is they're just less like for like people like me who use GPT-4 frequently and have for a while, it's less gross when a model talks to you and doesn't sound exactly like GPT-4 every single time, but also it's free and we're GPU poor and we got to save our pennies. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge part of it too. GPT-4 is really expensive and it's just not, it's not tenable that that's going to be how much it costs to use a system like this. And the idea of it being totally free is really exciting. So yeah, and by the way, so it's interesting. So it just launched with Code Llama, and it was, by the way, just, I, I Austin is like one of the smartest people I know. This, this is, it's amazing to think that there's like, a future here and, and anybody who's kind of interested in this about locally running language models do please get in touch because this has been a really hard problem because all of a sudden all these people across all these different operating systems want to install local language models and just have it work and just yeah but the idea of, of it being entirely on a cpu is one of those things that, that we talked about that is just brilliant and is because all the complexities around the gpu is really what a lot of people are facing with the install of the local models anyway yeah, local is, is really exciting, not just for privacy, um, but for cost. And the idea too, that, that you might be able to even train a model on this workflow where, you know, it, it's interesting how much of the data set you might be able to throw out 
because this thing is not writing like long form functions that like, it's not trying to be a software developer and, and write large applications and things. It's not that. Use cursor for that. It's, this is about writing and running code right there. And the idea that this is like a particular use case where I, I do think we could probably get a really exciting local model that's just built for this. And yeah, the idea, I, I don't know. I haven't looked into kind of if OpenAI is trained any differently. It honestly behaves very similarly. I think we don't know this for sure, but definitely a conclusion we've gotten into compared to the other one, because there, there was like a, they released it around the time where they changed the models, I think around June. And then we saw that the, the code interpreter behaves like the previous models before the nerfing quote unquote. And then we also saw a different kind of behavior in self-reflection and how it, it does the different things. So on the point of execution and fine-tuning and training, it definitely, so first of all, you're at the right place, right? The folks who fine-tune models, open source models are here. And it's great that like, you guys are already talking about this. Second of all, it sounds like open interpreter, once it gets more used and it's now already very popular, which I would love your comment on, because I, I don't know if you expected this, but it's a great source of data collection as well, right? Whereas OpenAI definitely collects every little piece that people interact with. This is why it's for free. You now have many people kind of using this tool and there's definitely like a place to collect a bunch of tasks related, like did it work, did it not? Like, did you mean this, et cetera? I want you to talk a bit about the explosion of this. Did you expect it and how you're dealing with this? And could you please like give a summary of some numbers as well? Because I think that's very pertinent to the interest of folks in this, in something like this. As of yesterday, I haven't checked, but it was number one on GitHub for the week. So it came out a week ago or a week and two, no, a week and one day ago. And it's at 20,000 stars. We passed, I think yesterday, maybe 21 now. And we're only in it a week. And for comparison to uh, somebody was saying in the discord after five days, we had the same number of stars as Langchain did after five months. So in five months, this did what Langchain did in five days. Or other way around. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I think that it just kind of immediately, you can, you can play with it. And it's so easy to share and to make just incredible stuff. The imagination unlock that, that this happens. It really is about, about the like people that are using it and the people that have come in. We've got 1500 people in the discord. I'd love for anybody here to, to come and, and talk and riff about how to get these things running locally better. And it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Um, I have never managed an open source project before. <laughs> I've never, I barely even know how to use Git. So I, I was so lucky and, and it's, it's just been total alignment of the planets that some of the most talented people I've met, um, just because they want this tool and they want to use this tool have joined and and they're in the discord and a fantastic product manager who's who's been um instrumental in, in organizing the github and, and making all this happen and um just out of out of wanting a better tool so that that's great because i don't know you know i i definitely have been playing with these things for a long time like i i, I dropped out of high school to make dubstep but then i did get my ged and then go back and went to woodring college of education western up in in uh, above seattle and then dropped out when GPT-3 came out because I was like, I, I, I got to be, I'm either watching this happen or I'm a part of it. So I've been playing with them for a long time. Um, and I definitely am, am uh, 
you know, I'm capable on that front. I really, I think I, I understand the quirks of language models and how to, how to twist them. Um, but I definitely did not expect this. Um, and, and don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn as fast as I can about how to be a, a good maintainer of an open source community. And if anyone also has run a large open source project, which I know there are incredible people in, in the room that have, um, I would also love to just hear from you. Right. Cause I, I don't, you know, it, it's a lot and I didn't expect it at all. First of all, Gillian, huge congrats on the success of this, right? Second of all, I want to highlight the point that you just made where like, you're fairly new to like coding as well. And you came into this room and said, Hey, there's like bigger coders. That's all fine. Like a lot of the stuff is just like making it and then being the, the point person. It sounds like you're that and uh, we're all grateful. I will add this additional thing that Austin from Alignment Lab told us about his past and how he started. Junaid here on stage, also like fairly new. We're seeing this new wave of AI engineer, basically a person who like can intuit how to talk to these machines to extract value and then has ideas and builds on those ideas. And this success is like partly from what I hear is coming from that. And so this is great. This is the age we're living in, right? Like people can stand up and talk to these machines and then build tools for these machines. So definitely you're, at least to me, you, Junaid, Alignment Lab, like everybody here in the audience who weren't coding before and now are doing incredible things are the embodiment of the AI engineer. And so I definitely want to leave you some space to talk about how you can get help. But to summarize so far, there's a Discord for Code Interpreter. Obviously, multiple people want to run this on multiple environments. So if you folks in the audience have like experience in running in different environments, please go and contribute to Open Interpreter. Uh, there's, a, there's a community here on Twitter that probably needs to happen as well as people talk and share their ideas. So again, folks in the audience, I'll, I'll help Gillian out a little bit. If you've, if you've run in this open interpreter for a cool use case that you don't think that anybody else did, even if you do think, just post it, tag Killian, hashtag open interpreter, and then just like, let's have a thing going where like we share an imagination online between us. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding it right now. I was just wondering, is there a guide or someone who's done an easy way to emulate the entire response of the OpenAI API? So that then you can you can just run whatever GGML model or or whatever you choose as a as as a local API or a local area network API. Then you don't have to really swap in and out of the model. It'll be like really really portable. Again, I'm yeah. uploading right now the Yarn Llama 128 bootable. So I thought it's it so cool. Throwing code interpreter in there. By the way, we usually use these spaces. As just like work meetings, kind of for stand up. So yeah, it's uh, feel free if you have any problems or, or requests from people. A lot of uh, library maintainers and stuff sometimes are in the audience. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. It's good to meet you, Nistan, by the way. But yeah, God, the DVD thing is so cool, dude. I saw one of those. It's cheap. It's like light. You're like encoding it in simple bumps that lasers get. It's insane to think of that thing spinning up a. Language model. This has been the experience of mine and Nissan and Jans, like on the stage, like many folks in different areas, and then some folks meet. And I think Alignment Austin, you said the same thing, right? Well, like uh, they don't know how big open source is until everybody knows everyone and everybody's like friendly with everyone. So, Gillian, welcome to this group and feel free to like ask for help, basically. And so, yeah, let me give you the stage of like how folks can find, find Open Derpeter, what they need to do to help.
what specific things did you need or think of in terms of contribution? We often had folks ask for GPUs and then GPUs was given to them here from the audience. So yeah, the floor is yours in terms of like how, how the community can support open interpreter. No, I'm to Nissan's point about the idea that like, should this be kind of an open AI compatible endpoint? Like, like, is there stuff for that? Yeah, there, there is. So, so, and this is what's by the end of the week or maybe by Sunday, what you're going to find in open interpreters is that basically we're, we're trying to, to refactor it so that essentially the language model just comes from an open AI compatible endpoint. Cause there's some brilliant work done by folks at light LLM is a company that, that basically lets us just hit an open AI compatible, compatible endpoint. And then that hits Claude that hits Anthrop hits uh, cohere and, and open AI. So they handle the cloud stuff, still trying to figure out the right provider for the local stuff. We've played with GPT for all, which kind of behaves like this. It's not an open AI compatible endpoint, but it hasn't worked on some systems. We're not sure what the way to go. And yeah, Olama has this too. And talking to, to Jay Morgan about this maintainer of, of Olama. And it just spins up literally a local host that's a open AI compatible endpoint. So as long as we can get everything down to that and just be talking to an open AI compatible endpoint, theoretically, you should be able to just flip between any cloud model you want and any local model you want. Also talking to the LM studio guys who've been great about building something that, that just would spin up a local host that you pick a model from hugging face. And this thing is really like a distributor of locally running language models. So to just get something that, that folks can really easily tap into any local model is the dream. And well, uh, yeah, there's a community called, I think window.ai and open router that also probably you should take a look in if you haven't chatted with Xander. They kind of also do local models inference in the style of GPT-4 as well. Oh yeah. 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 And by the way, so by, by that happening and yeah, that's great. And if anybody else has any other suggestions of, of just people who have thought about this, cause it's just, it's not the problem that I think open interpreters should be trying to solve is how to um, run language models. We should just be piggybacking and riding on the shoulders of, of giants of these brilliant people who have found out how to run language models locally. But yeah, on the idea of kind of getting this into an open AI compatible endpoint. One thing I want to mention is that right now, this thing is really heavily entangled with GPT-4 and with, to an extent, CodeLama and the, that sort of prompt template and to the terminal, because the terminal GUI basically is how this thing is meant, is used right now. We're going to untangle that. So on, on Sunday, the idea is that you are actually just going to be able to import interpreter and then use this as like a Python generator. I really think that there is an interesting thing that could happen here where you can build open interpreter into the stuff you're working on. The, the goal is really to be the Linux of this space, this really early space of AI code interpretation and, and find the right way to be this open source nexus between language models running code, between flexible, intelligent language models, and then this rigid, deterministic, powerful world of, of computing and, and just find the right way to what is that connective tissue? And so open interpreter is an attempt to be that. And, and what I really want it to be is easy for developers to put it into stuff. So I really want it to just be a, a Python generator where you put a string in of a message, somebody sends it, and then you can just start yanking tokens out of it, just yanking out the tokens of the message that it sends. Then when it goes to run code, it just runs the code. And then you start yanking out the output, uh, each line by line of, of what the code output is. So that it's really easy to build this thing in. So we're working on exposing that. And that, that plays very much into this idea of making it an open AI compatible endpoint. And 
to get further along in this and, and to make that happen, it is most people come from GitHub. That then it, the most talented, it's been incredible to see that people just see it on the trending page and just come and join the Discord and then I'm saying, hey, I saw it on the trending page. So it actually matters a surprising amount. And if, if you could go star the repo, it, it contributes actually to the project a lot to just get it seen. Um, I'm noticing that that's where pretty much all of our traffic comes from. So that's of great support. But really the main thing is that we're, most of the issues people are having with it are of getting language models running locally. This is a problem that I just would love to kind of find the right people to work with to make this something that we abstract away. So really I'm just kind of, we're, we're passing, we're talking to an OpenAI compatible endpoint on someone's local host. And finding something that really works across all these different systems we're testing has been a challenge. And this does seem like the room to ask. And by the way, we're, we're, what we're working on with this, and this might be fun for people who think about this, about prompting them, is you don't have to be a function calling language model. Obviously, most of these models are not. It's just OpenAI that has function calling. So what we actually ask the model to do, and th this is why we can have any language model at all can use code interpreter, is we just say, hey, if, if, when you run a markdown code block, when you print one, so do three backticks and then say the language, it will be run and then you'll be given the output afterwards. So then suddenly any, that's kind of a function call. So you give that ability to like any language model and that's how we did it with code llama and all these other ones. And it will just write it in markdown and specify the language. And then we just grab that. And then once it closes that up, that closes the fun function call and sends it off. And then it gets the output and we feed it back into the prompt. So any language model, this does not have to be function calling. Yeah, I do think that since the biggest problem we're having right now is getting locally running language models please reach out to me. That to me is the most important thing. People want to use this thing locally. Okay, no the biggest problem we're having with the Hydra MOE model is like getting very good usability. Mm -hmm. We realize we haven't developed the UIs as much and actually just develop automation in general as much. So I'm really glad that there are other people uh, tackling these issues so that people are a little bit less overwhelmed with the amount of like tasks and stuff they're taking, but yeah, you're welcome to join in and contribute. And I, I'd like to, like, I'm going to actually try and, and just dump open interpreter in there. And there might also be some possibility. Actually, yeah, yeah I wanted to ask about this. So do you think, for example, for Linux, the models could be trained better for instruction following or for things like opening, like, like you were using Apple script in on Mac for things like using using Selenium or Cypress or whatever to automate some of the, the web browsing work. Like, do you think the open source models could use another fine tune for, for instruction following in this case? And what has been your experience with like getting automation to work in general? Have you only gotten it to work on Mac and, and Windows? Like, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so no, it's what we do is we pass into the prompt and we say, this is this user's platform. So it works on Linux and it works on Windows. It, it's, it really works with GPT-4. The problem is getting the locally running language model to work on all those different platforms. We've seen it across all three of them, but it seems like just crazy architecture stuff that has to be worked out. But yeah, no, it's, it is capable of running the equivalent command to like MD find on a Mac, which uses Spotlight. If you ask it to like open up Ableton or something, it will use the equivalent command because it knows that you're on a Windows system or on a Linux system. So like I use it on Replit and Google Colab, those are Linux. So it, it does, it's, it's, I don't know if that answers your question, but oh yes. And, and the idea too of fine tuning this 
God, there's something really interesting about that. Because again, it's a subsection of what these language models can do. So the idea of getting something small that runs on consumer hardware, that's capable of this workflow of self-reflection and on code outputs is really exciting. There's even exciting stuff too. And the fact that we have such a clean separation between when it needs to be chatting and when it needs to be coding, that one of the best experiences I've had with it was actually to download both Llama 2 and Code Llama. And then have this, this kind of hard mixture of experts situation where it's talking to me and it's llama and it's planning and it's thinking and it's clarifying. Then as soon as it opens up those three backticks and goes to start writing code, we switch to code llama. And so it's, there, there's really interesting things there too. That's not fine tuning, but that's just getting a little bit further to like, we at least understand that about the, the problem and it's workflow so we can kind of wrap what we're doing around it. But I think that there's so much to explore about the idea of fine tuning it. And I'm just not the person. I don't know how to fine tune. You found, found the place, man. You found the people. You're um, generating the, the data. Just really quickly, I want to I yeah, ask, are you keeping logs? And is there a way, if we were to ask people in the community to, to share their logs of their automation workflows, like mm-hmm. what they're getting from? Yeah. The that, that, that would be that, that yeah. would be nice. If people That's had... gold, that data. That is the most valuable data ever generated. <laughs> I think that it would need to be really clear that you were consenting to it. But the idea, if folks would be willing to accept, you know, to, to send it so that we could make something for the open source community that would. Yeah. So real quick, I was just going to say that even if 1% of the users, like even considering it's already trending on GitHub and everything, I think even if 1% of the users just opt in and explicitly opt in to have their data logged and everything and, and sent to some centralized place that you can access and use for fine tuning. That's super valuable data that if we end up fine tuning a model specifically to do Apple scripts, I think it could be amazing and way better than what GPT-4 can do. But simultaneously, it can have a bunch of speed benefits of just imagine something that's able to do all of these automations and all this open interpreter stuff way faster than GPT-4 can do it. I have, I, I want to add to this multiple things, Killian, just one off the bat. I, I was the interviewer first, but I also have some ideas. So one of them is uh, Lang, uh, Langsmith as all the encoding everything. So if you add Langsmith, you will actually see the runs. If you ask a person to do this, uh, very easy, like all the centralized place will be there. Also will make it easy to share what my session was versus your session. And second of all, we had sponsorships before. We've talked about sponsorships. There's a, potentially, if you give somebody, uh, users, like a free use, if somebody sponsor your GPU tokens, GPT-4 tokens, even if OpenAI contacts you, then you know, return to that, they can share their sessions, like kind of like the OpenAI model that could also work. Uh, Killian, I want to, first of all, huge congrats on this and thank you for joining us and talking about us. Uh, I see great benefit in Open Interpreter. Nissan is already adding this to their stuff. And uh, you're now considered a friend of the pod. Please feel free to come back here at any point uh, into the green room as well. Thank you. And uh, we'll watch and every new release that you have, feel free to come here and, and chat with us about this.